Are y'all ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Well, let's go. Let's go to the 13th Amendment of the Constitution of the United States. This week, we are deviating from our regular path, and we are doing a documentary, Ava DuVernay's The 13th, which everyone should take 100 minutes out of your life and watch. At the very least. At the very least. So I'm going to go through the... um, Oh, no, I'm not. You're going to do the particulars. Oh, the particulars. Okay. Excuse me. 13th. It made its premiere at the New York Film Festival on September 30th, 2016. And its U.S. premiere widely on the Netflix streaming platform on October 7th, 2016. <sighs> yeah. Wonder why it took me two years to watch it. I don't know. I was, uh, I was well, watching. It took me four, so. I watched this the weekend that it came out. And then was just like, I guess I was the only one in America who watched this, apparently, because, you know, less than a month later, we have an election. And I'm like, oh, God, y'all didn't watch 13th. And then that's when like, honestly, that's when I had my. I don't know, maybe I didn't. Maybe I watched it after the election because I was just so flummoxed by just people who are I I guess looking back on it now of just having the privilege of being able to just say yeah he this guy says a lot of racist shit but you know I'm gonna I'm gonna vote with them because of either a b c or d when like to me it's like this is my life that we're talking about or the gazillion people who just said, I'm not choosing either of them. I'm I'm not using my right to vote. Yeah. And look where we are now, people. I just look thought, where we are now. Okay. So the movie is directed by well, this movie is Look Where We've Always Been People. Well that's that's true. <laughs> it should be true. subtitled. Sorry, that was the white person speaking. <laughs> look where we've always Wake Up America. Directed by Ava DuVernay, who also directed I Will Follow, Middle of Nowhere, Selma, A Wrinkle in Time, Queen Sugar, and When They See Us, among other films. Produced by Howard Barish. He is the CEO of Can Do Films. He was associated with Middle of Nowhere, I Will Follow, and the Venus Williams 30 for 30. Also produced by Ava DuVernay and Spencer Averick, who is a film editor and producer and he edited Selma when they see us in A Wrinkle in Time. It was written by Ava DuVernay and Spencer Averick. The music is by Jason Moran, who is a jazz pianist, composer, and educator. He also did the music for Five Deep Breaths, All We, All we Know of Heaven, Selma, RFK, In the Land of, the, of Apartheid. Edited by Spencer Averick. The director of photography is... Hans Charles. There was nothing in Wikipedia about old Hansi. And Hansi. Kira Kelly, who also shot Changing Face of Harlem, Mariachi Gringo, Pop Star, Skin in the Game, Madam C.J. Walker, which I saw, and she did excellent work on Just that. Just recently. And Queen Sugar. And there are the particulars. 
There we go. Well, <clears throat> it starts with um, President Obama, still my president, speaking about the um, that the United States has 5% of the world's population, but 25% of those incarcerated. Um, That's just we, staggering statistic. It is. Yeah. You, and we have really the highest rate it. of incarceration in the world. And there were several people who spoke, and I wrote down some, but not everyone. I'm not sure who the first person was that says the history, we, we are the <laughs> history. We are the products of our ancestors' choices. Hmm. So then they bring up what the 13th Amendment says, which is the 13th Amendment says that people may not be enslaved except that there is um, a clause in it. Is it called a clause? There is a... Did you write down the 13th Amendment? It's unconstitutional to enslave people except as punishments for a crime. And so what a crime is, is left up to interpretation. Like um, so much of the Constitution. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. I have, yeah. Well. It is. Alexander Hamilton. But uh, I was, okay, there's going to be a lot of times where I, get, or I derail the conversation because I listened to all of the New York Times podcast 1619 yesterday, just mm. back to back to back to back. Wow. And I cannot recommend it more. It is it's so illuminating. It's good. I'm like two episodes in. It's, yeah, it's really good. My favorite episode is episode three. Um, New York Times film critic Wesley Morris does an episode, and it's fantastic. And he also talks about um, how blackface started. It's Fantastic. Can we enlighten our listeners as to what 1619 means? Well, 1619 is the date when the first enslaved people were brought to the shores of Virginia, right? That was that was like when slavery began, 1619. Right. Right. So okay. last last year was the 400th anniversary of the enslavement for 400 years. Right. So it it really, it really brings into it's it's a, such an amazing podcast because it ties in all of these things and like the I listened to an interview with the woman who did it she won a Pulitzer Prize for it, um, and it just ties in and just brings into to focus and relief that like black people, not all but a vast majority predate. All of the, like, all of the people, except for the people who were first already here, you know, like the first Americans, the native inhabitants of this land. If you're talking the first black people came here in 1619, you know, that's a long time. That's before the, the huge mass of immigration that came, that, you know. That's at least, that's more than 200 years before the colonists started revolting against 
the king of England to get freedom. Like that's the founding. And and furthermore, if you look at you guys are laughing at me. But if you look at the like one of the reasons why the colonists were able to have the money in the capital to rebel and fight against England, which is a huge major empire with loads and loads of money and cash and everything, it's because of slavery. So right. literally like black people and that's what this podcast really brings into light is it shows that you know, people saying like, oh, go back to Africa. It's like, no, this is our country, actually. Actually, we're the ones that built this country. It was it, Our bodies were used as collateral to, right. to put up uh, money for, for plantation owners, for all of this wealth. You know, the way that, that business people now, you'll put up your house as collateral or any other investments and stuff that you have. They're like, well, what do you have? Well don't really want to do my house but how about these 50 people like 50 right. people with 50 souls all right and just how ingrained it was in the economy because as anyone who's ever listened to the gone with the bushes podcast knows the answer to every question is money 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 always goes back to money <clears throat> and as Aaron is saying slavery was the economic system of the south um, the integral part of them having an economy. And after the Civil War, after the slaves were, quotation marks, freed, they had to rebuild their economy. So because of the clause in the 13th Amendment, except as punishment for crime, African-Americans started being arrested in mass and went to work for free again as prisoners in what the prison system we had at that time for minor crimes, loitering. Mm -hmm. um, and the whole purpose was now this was going to rebuild the South's economy because they are back to having this free labor again. Um, and then there was the fear of the threat of black men to white women. That has been, that's been huge in, uh, in the whole history of this forever and, since since 1619 right <laughs> since, since black people came and um so then we get to see a clip of uh, birth of a nation okay and here i go again go ahead honey well on amazon prime there is a fantastic documentary called birth of a movement and it is about i hope you people have your pens out because i do taking notes on us it's a birth of a movement and it tells the story of boston-based newspaper editor william m trotter he was also a harvard classmate of w.e.b du bois and he was a, a black man highly educated uh, Obviously, I said that he went to Harvard and stuff. And see, the, the Birth of a Nation, the movie, it was originally a play called The Klansman. And Trotter was like, nah, we're not, play I don't want to have this play in Boston. Like a lot of places, 
you know, were even like, hey, this, this place sucks. Look what it does and stuff. So they were successful in not having the play done. But this uh, racist asshole, W.D.W. Griffin, he makes this movie out of it, out of the Klansmen. And it's great. Spike Lee's in the documentary. And he basically what he says is exactly what happened to me. Because the first time I saw this, the film, the first and only time I saw Birth of a Nation was in film class. I was in college. And... You know, my professor, she I have to believe that she was just she was always very nice lady, very well meaning. And she did bring up, you know, that it was racist and stuff. But she really didn't put into the the historical context of why this super racist film was so bad and horrible. And that's what this documentary shows. And also you know 13th pretty much shows and so the birth of a movement is you know this guy he's trying to get the movie birth of a nation to not be played in boston well lo and behold woodrow wilson who is a racist fuck boy i said it he brought the the film in w E.B. and was like, come on, not W.E.B., but D.W. So many goddamn initials back in the day. Why couldn't you just go by your name? <laughs> just go by his last name. So Griffin brings his movie. His movie actually quotes three, like in three title cards, Woodrow Wilson, because I said Woodrow Wilson was a racist fuck boy. He was, he was the 28th president from 19. 19- 13 to 1921 and he basically resegregated the federal government he was a vocal defender of the kkk he was quoted in the film birth of a nation three times one of them is this saying the white men were roused by a mere instinct of self-preservation until at least there had sprung into existence a great Ku Klux Klan, a veritable empire of the South to protect the Southern country. And he called the film teaching, teaching history with lightning. So once he brings it to the white house, this was the first film that was ever showed and screened at the white house. Once, once that racist fuck boy brings the movie into the white house, Racist fuckboy, Woodrow Wilson. Just checking. It was really hard for, because the guy that that was the mayor of Boston, he, you know, he was trying, but he was like, look, the president has screened the film. I have to let it be seen. Wow. And then, you know, history, it just goes on to, in 1998, to be the 44th best film I can't, yeah. I but can't the thing either. is, is that if you were to take out all of the super racist, and that's what Spike Lee says, like, if you're strictly looking at it just to film and what he did, it is very foundational in terms of filmmaking. But it's, 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 nobody's ever like, yeah, but this is a racist fucking film. Or D.W. Yeah. Griffith, racist filmmaker. <clears throat> And in the in the documentary, it said it confirmed the story that the whites wanted to tell, that blacks were demeaned and that they were just animalistic. Um, men could not control themselves around white women. They just couldn't. Oh, black it, men? 
Yeah. I don't know. It, it just it just must be <laughs> your ankles and hair. <laughs> I will say I dated several men of whiteness and okay. Uh, okay. I will go I will go into it here. Uh I dated several men of whiteness. I dated one man of color and he treated me with respect and kindness in a way that I had never been treated by anyone else. And so I went, uh, I think I'm going to stick with this because this feels a whole lot better than what I've been used to. Was so. that my father? Yeah. Oh. Well, if I said the only person of color who... I don't know if you, like, <laughs> there was a, you had a Jamal before. No, <laughs> I, there was no Jamal or... Cameroonian. Okay. <laughs> and um, after Birth of a Nation, as Aaron said, it was the rebirth of the Ku Klux Klan. Oh, yeah, because my main man, General Ulysses S. Grant, he, when he was the president in the Reconstruction, they were like, yeah, we have this Klan problem. Like, these, like, white people are just going around just killing black people. And so it's an insurgency. And so Grant goes, well, how do you deal with insurgencies? And he's like, well, we infiltrate them and then we take them out. And he's like, good. Put the whole United States military against them and pretty much, you know, put the cub- the caboosh on the old uh, clan. The clan had not burned crosses until they saw Birth of a Nation where a cross was burned for a for a visual effect. And that's when the Klan started burning crosses because of Birth because of, of this nation. movie. It was life imitating art. They, D. W. Griffin, and by extension, Fuckboy W. W. went and basically said, "Hey guys, check out your costume. Check out this whole ritual we got for you. Go have fun." It did look like. In, in Birth of a Nation, they put plungers on their heads. They probably they didn't have... did to keep the... But the hood wasn't on there. It was like white. It was all white. But it looked like a plunger because the plunger was on their head and then it was just a stick coming out for some of them. Okay. It was probably a dirty plunger too. So that lynchings began and lynchings went on from Reconstruction to World War II. Well, some would say that they right, right. George Floyd was pretty much a lynching. That's true. All right, so um, African Americans didn't move from the South to the rest of the United States just to relocate. They moved to escape the terrorism that was happening in the South at that time to their people. And you have to think. Okay, we'll bring it up again. But 1619, that like slaves have just been pouring in. And there were slaves up and down the East Coast. I mean, New York didn't abolish slavery in New York City until 1799. And then once Eli Whitney invented the cotton gin, that's when everybody started, just all the slaves had to go down south because that it was King Cotton. Then it was on, you know, that was the money making thing. So you have like a whole bunch of people not really educated. That was what not educated in the ways of the United States at that time. They were educated in their 
own countries. Well, yeah, in their own countries. But I'm talking about like you're talking about you know when they first came in their home country. But you're talking at least from the 1800s. Like that's generations upon right. generations who all they have known is enslavement and a new culture does pop up and, and spring up, but it's, it was, wasn't it illegal to teach a black person to read oh and write? Oh my God. Yes. So because education is a way out and they knew that. Yeah. Knowledge is power. Reading, right? You can't. Yeah. What? No. So, you know, it comes in. All right. You're free. A lot of times they just said you're free. And then it's like, but what does that mean? Cause it wasn't like, okay, you're free. Now we're setting up schools. That's what they wanted to do. But then Lincoln got shot. He's a vice president because in order to win the election, he had to have somebody from the South on his ticket was another fuck boy, Andrew Johnson, who was a racist. So then when he was the head person in charge, he was like, uh, schools to teach the new free people. I don't think so. Um, how about they just do what everyone else did and pick themselves up by their bootstraps? Right, oh, they don't right. have boots? Oh, sucks to be them, I guess. So, you know, people just kind of stayed because that's what they knew. It wasn't, wasn't like they all knew how to read a book and could read it open and bust it open and be like, oh, freedom. How to be free. Part one, you know? So they were often given the opportunity to to continue to work the lands they had worked in order to be able to live on that land. So again, they were working to be able to live in their little shanties that they had before or whatever they could build because uh, you can do that. You can work this land and live here and give us, you know, the cotton or you can move and to the you unknown know where to go yeah and then so then when all like the, it gets super racist like think of that like i don't know where i'm going but i know i can't stay here like right whatever is out there has to be better than what's going on here and so then there was a mass movement when there was a mass movement but again it wasn't just because they wanted to move to california to see the palm trees it was to escape the terrorism that they were living with. Yeah. So okay. Then we saw Emmett Till. Oh, that gets me every time. And uh, so, so this this documentary jumps around a little bit, um, and then it talked about uh, we shifted to instead of slavery, then we shifted to segregation. And segregation made sure that people of color were permanently second class status. And then that moved to the civil rights movement in the 50s and 60s. Um, but there were people who were saying integration would only lead to a mongrel class of people. Ha, how, how you like me now? <laughs> uh, and the civil rights people were actually criminals because they were breaking the laws. So they're breaking the law. They can be put in jail. And they were outside agitators, you know. Yes. When Martin Luther mm -hmm. King was coming into town, he was an outside agitator. Why are you coming here? Our Negroes are happy. Yeah. And he was put in jail several times. Oh, he was, you know, I was born 
about 12 years after he was killed. Which blew my mind when I did the math this weekend. Because I'm like, but 12 years ago from today was 2008. And that seems like yesterday. Nothing. So my birth is... But growing up, it was almost on par with like what they did with the the civil war and re-editing history it was martin luther king how great he was how everyone was behind him and stuff and then you read the history and like what really was on and he he never had an approval rating over 50 percent like he was always uh despised by many many people not looked at nearly as favorably as my education would have had me believe. Right. No. Right. Okay. So then um, somebody got on and said, you know, people of color have been told, just wait, just wait. But wait was this equaled never. It wasn't going to happen. And But in the civil rights movement, being arrested became a noble thing because you're, you're at least doing something. Mm-hmm. Then we had President Johnson Um, We've talked about him before on our podcast. He signed the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act. Um, But then crime kept rising. And um, then we got to the 1970s. There was mass incarceration. And they showed the chain gang because, again, mass incarceration means free labor. Then, um, wait, I had some... Maybe I didn't. It said in 1970, there were 357,292 people in prison. In 1980, it had gone up to 513,900 people in prison. And that number just keeps jumping because we had President Nixon. And President Nixon. Wait, I have a question, Ma. Of somebody yeah. who was like alive at that time, so, um, what's his face decided that he didn't want to run again, right? Um, Johnson. Johnson, and that was all because of Vietnam. And if you want my opinion, Vietnam is what killed Martin Luther King, because as long as Martin Luther King wasn't talking about Vietnam, Johnson had people protecting him. But once he started talking about Vietnam. I think he pulled his protection and that's when he was able to be assassinated. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense to me because a lot of people made a lot of money. A lot of money on that war. I mean, watch the five bloods. And, okay, my question was, because that was, so then going into that election, it's um, Nixon and who was the guy that he ran against? Goldwater? No, Goldwater was was a, an equal uh, Republican. Oh, now I don't Humphreys. Oh, Mondale maybe. Okay, but so that was like the guy on. Wait, wait, wait. Nineteen nineteen seventy four was the first year I could vote. That was Nixon against McGovern. So the year before that, I'm not sure. Well, so and so the reason that N- Nixon. The reason that Nixon won is because he was the guy that was like, I'm going to get us out of Vietnam, right? Because no, he... no, 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 
He won because he started the war against crime. Okay, so that's what because I'm I'm looking at it, I'm like all right well if history is kind of like an echo so if you're going into an election you got Nixon who I know spoiler alert won the election but then I know that there was a bunch of activism going on at the same time there so was. there was a so lot that's of- what that's why they brought in the war on crime fear bring in fear people are afraid who's going to solve their fear. It's going to be the person who's hard on crime. Now, don't you think that it's interesting because so you couldn't vote in this election. You're a little too young, but you're being the peer group like baby boomers were starting to be able to vote. Right. And exercise their power. Right. So probably like amongst your demographic were most people voting for Nixon. No, in my demographic it was people voting for the Democratic candidate who wanted to um, end Vietnam. Okay. And but so, then- so for my demographic, that that and the next election was about Vietnam, not about civil rights. So um, just my point, I don't know if it was in this documentary or in something else, but just how... Like, you're the young baby boomers out there, like Kent State and all that stuff, and Vietnam. And then you come into, like, 2016 election, and it just shows how, like, movements and stuff change because everybody turns into their parents. (laughs) Like, you know? Well, let's hope not. Take it back. No, but that's what somebody said. Like, that's the point that they said because... Yeah, you get into like as you get older, you just kind of do become more conservative because you're just that's just the way it is. Like you're looking at these young kids and you're like, oh, what is this? Yeah, I want crime. or I don't know what happens. Okay, this is what happened. Okay, so it was after World War Two and. The people who fought in World War Two felt that Vietnam was, we, we, nev- we don't lose wars. So we're not going to withdraw from Vietnam. We're going to win the war. And we're going to stay there until we win it. And then Nixon is going, yeah, we're going to stay there until we win it because his pockets are getting lined as well as everybody else's. And um, they are feeling like the hippies were the ones who were protesting the war. They, they have no respect. They have long hair. Uh, when you went to fight in World War II, you couldn't have long hair. So you're just showing disrespect for our greatest generation. And we're going to vote for the person who says he's for law and order because we're going to stop all these nonsense riots and we're going to stop all this crime. Again, it was fear. And um, so the World War II generation was... Uh, You know, I don't like Tricky Dick, but I don't know if I can trust. Well, the first time he ran in the 60s, it was against Kennedy. And, you know, can we trust a Catholic, a young Catholic dude? But he had been in World War II. So and he um, looked just just so much better on TV. That was the first time that a debate was on TV. The reason that he won that election. Exactly. Then he was assassinated. Johnson became president and Johnson ran. And then, okay, so we, so what was your question? Well, I was just saying, how, <laughs> how, 
Tangents, people, tangents. Well, let's just say well, that. Go ahead, TD. I was going to say, because you were talking about how, how did all these people who were against or who were voting one way and had certain beliefs and ideals when they were younger and then they yeah. turned and I was talking to someone this week about we were having to like board up our window. You know, we were like talking about it was about work. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure how old he is, but his daughter is 32. Okay. I learned. I learned. Um, and we were talking and like he has always struck me as very as like conservative on the more conservative side. I don't know. Right. Um and so we were talking, but he was like, oh, yeah, I mean, that's what it makes America so great is protesting. And he was talking about how he protested against Vietnam. And I was talking to two of my friends that know him yesterday, and they were all like, wow, like, I find that shocking. Like, I would never have pegged him to be against the war. We would have thought he had been on the other side. Now, I'd say that's I don't know how he voted, mm-hmm, but I right. do know. But based on things he says, it does seem like he is more conservative now, you know? Right. Right. So I feel like, yeah, I guess I feel like not everyone has, there is a certain demographic. I do feel that like, as you get older, you're, you. Depending on your circumstances. Yeah. Like if you have. And if you're a parent, if you grew up with parents that were super conservative and like you go off to college and you're all, you know, you grow up and you're like this big liberal. And then once you get older, like, I feel like that in the back of your head you know you you grew up with those ideals if you're and if you're able to you know you're young and liberal and then you're able to you know make some money and stuff and go out to the Mm -hmm. suburbs and have a house and all of a sudden now you're looking at taxes and you're looking at well what are my taxes going Mm -hmm. to and what are what schools are in the neighborhood for my kids and all of that that that's gonna kind of change your way and it's just the history of America and really just being on that advertising forefront, it, they just, it's it, interesting to see how it's able to change the narrative yes, to make it so that you are being racist, but you don't know that you're being racist. Exactly. Just the gaslighting that just goes on so that the words, you know, it's like super racist, but as people evolve, they start to see, well, like, I know a lot of people, they're like, yeah, I'm for law and order. And like, to me, that's a, that's a fucking dog whistle. Like, but to other people, they don't see it that way. So I do, I mean, if there is optimism to be had in this moment of time, it's to see that sheen and that veil, you know, the, the gaslighting kind of stopping and being like well when they're saying this this is what they really mean yeah and there's never been a way before to reach that many people by doing that exactly just like kennedy got elected because of television that debate then um in the 60s the the tide turned to help civil rights because people were sitting in their living rooms eating their meatloaf and mashed potatoes and watching children getting fire hosed in the street mm-hmm. yeah. you know and that was like wait a minute this this isn't right i either. mean how can you go to church on sunday when you've just seen hoses and dogs turned on people right or you know a, a boy who's from chicago whistling at a woman 
and gets his head smashed in, beat to death, oh thrown God. into a river. And then, you know, I uh, it gets me every time because I think about the mother. Ooh. Right. Who was who was brave enough to have unbelievable an open casket yeah. so the world could see what had been mm-hmm. done to her son. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Nixon uh, put his fight against crime and uh, against the black political movement. And he ran on law and order. And there will be no progress without respect for the law. And all all the federal funding that um, Johnson had worked hard for and the Democrats to get uh, federal funding to help with... um, With the war on poverty, right? Yeah, war on poverty, Head Start, education... All that money is Which is then, stuff that it, isn't just like it's that there's no black in the war on poverty. You know, head start. Like it was all stuff that helped poor white people as well. Yeah. It just that helped was, poor people. Right. That was big with um Martin Luther King. And he was he was nonviolent protesting. Okay. Um so it uh all the federal spending then started to go into law enforcement and it was a total war uh, against public enemy number one became the war on drugs man so look what the yeah and using like the fbi i looked up like fred hampton because they mentioned him in this he was just straight up assassinated yeah like just uh, just straight up just went, like they had an informant the informant drugged his drink went in shot up everything he got yeah. shot in the shoulder and then and his wife was or his fiance wife whatever she was like 9 months pregnant and they were like in is the he, bed? Yeah, yeah is he still just point blank range just took him out and then i i read cuz then i was like well what happened to that informant did not go well for him he ended up committing suicide in like in 1990 running out into a freeway getting hit by a car because he became an informant because they had on him he they had him for i i I forget (laughs) but they had him for like felonies and they're like well you know you can go to jail or you can be our yeah, informant exactly. and it wasn't like they're like yeah we're gonna blow this guy's brains out they're just like oh you're just gonna like tell us some stuff and it was strictly the <laughs> fbi yeah. and then when he was there and they saw he saw what they did to him he was just man you know that messed him up and then like he had to go into a federal protection like witness yeah. protection and um so j edgar hoover in charge of the fbi through this time there aren't there aren't enough words or adequate words, but they were talking about Malcolm X's entourage was more informants than it was people working with Malcolm X. Yeah, I mean they had informants everywhere. Okay, so war on drugs became it, that's when drugs became a war instead of a health issue, and so the Southern strategy was launched to get the poor working class to move in the southern states to move from being democrats to republicans because the the, one of the things the threads in the american history narrative of the puppet master aka the man 
who I've decided in my mind is now forever played by fuckboy Woodrow Wilson. He is now the face of the man. Okay. It's his, his there are little, a lot of splinters off of him. His little wire glasses and his little haircut and his little t- tweedy little suit <laughs> making you think he's an intellect. And you're like, ah. yeah, exactly, Mac. Cough it up. <laughs> <laughs> Mac is throwing up at the thought of fuck boy. Oh, he, had to, he had to throw up and eat it about that. <laughs> there you go. And ate it back down because that's what we think of Woodrow Wilson. Okay, so the Southern strategy moved those those Democratic states in the South to be Republican. Oh yeah, because I was gonna say that's the like that's always been their game plan. They have to keep us divided. Like they have yes. to keep the ninety nine percent of us divided because if if we get to the point where we realize that we actually have more in common and that the man has just been on our necks and stuff, keeping us divided and gaslighting us, that we have this issue. That they'll have to like pay us what they owe us, yeah. and I, in addition to reparations, I'm also talking about like all the other poor white people and other people, like just poor yes. people. The nine, all of us. The Southern strategy was aimed at the poor working class whites in the South to get them to turn because this became a backlash against civil rights because of fear. Mm-hmm. You gotta fear the black man. Because if the black man is able to be respected, then he's coming for your job, and we can't and have your, wife. your job and your, and your daughter. <laughs> Hide your wife. Hide your daughter. Hide your wife. <laughs> okay, the Nixon campaign in '68 and the Nixon White House. After that, had two enemies. They had the anti-war left and the black people. And we knew we couldn't make it illegal to be against war or being black, but by getting the public to associate hippies with marijuana and black people with heroin, then criminalizing both heavily could disrupt those communities. Yeah, that was that, the war on was, drugs. So by John Ehrlichman. Well, um, I mean, are and we... he said, did we know we were lying about drugs? Of course yeah, we, we did. did. It was a strategy to get this fuckboy elected. Okay, so it, in 1980, we had 513,000 in prison. It's 1985, we now have 759,000 people in prison. And it's Reagan. You know, when Reagan died, I remember everybody acting like those were the best years of their lives. Reagan was a fuck boy, too. But he had dementia and he didn't know it. So, again, the puppet masters were running that show. Uh, Reagan, they said, was transformative in a negative sense. He had the literal war on drugs. What did Nancy say about drugs? Just say no. Yes, say no. No. If you're at a party and somebody comes, you just say no and you say it loud and proud so everyone can hear you. Remember Dare? Oh boy, yeah. 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 We had a dare. We had remember our our dare revolt? We almost had a dare uprising revolt. I forget why. But it like I remember thinking about like yeah, we should probably be revolting against this, but not for the reason that we are revolting against exactly. this. Exactly. Like it was something exactly. dumb in sixth grade, but really I was like, 
um, excuse me, would somebody like to explain to me Iran-Contra? Because I'm pretty sure that y'all, y'all, the, the United States pretty much sent crack cocaine into the inner cities and, and decimated then, it. Yeah, they did. In order to finance, like, guns or something for somebody. Yeah. yeah. What was that show called? Snowfall. Snowfall we were watching. Okay. Rest in peace, John Singleton. So, um, government programs at that point would be paid out of your pocket. The rich were getting, remember trickle-down economics? Have you heard that recently? Yeah, like the, the rich, rich were getting richer and the poor were getting poorer. Well, because, you know, when the rich get rich, they're, it's just instinctive to just let it, just the money fall out of their pockets onto exactly. us. And trickle down. No. Yeah. They're not Chicken. egomaniacal maniacs who are obsessed with cake holding on to every single penny. <laughs> yeah. Then we get crack cocaine. Crack cocaine was the cheap relative of powder cocaine. And crack cocaine was introduced into the black communities. I don't think the... Um, I don't feel like this documentary went into that that much. They didn't. They didn't no. say yeah. it at all. But, um, but so look it, look it up. It, it's true. The United States government was yeah. the biggest like drug runner going because they, they had were to the fund. supplier. Exactly. They had to supply like what like Nicaragua and all these guerrillas because of wasn't it because of communism. Like, they couldn't have oh, all yeah. these little countries right. becoming communists, so they had Again, to give money. fear. Yeah. What are you afraid of? I'm afraid of the communists taking over. I'm afraid of the black man taking over. So I'm going to vote for people who are against the black man taking over, the drugs taking over. I'm going to vote Republican. And then they also, in order to, like, this is very simplified, but in order to catch the drug dealers, they came up with the great idea of, like, being the drug dealers themselves. So then they would be able to identify who the drug dealers were and snatch them, except they realized that they were all of a sudden making a whole lot of money that could be used to finance other, like, secret and again, CIA what does operations. come down to? Money. Money. Money and fear. Money over fear, So when though. you're looking at, you know, inner cities in the 80s and how all of a sudden, you know, people got strung out and had to go to jail because of the jailing practices and, you know, leaving children unattended to. So in order for them to find some sort of family structure, you know, they get associated into, gut, into gangs because it's a family. If you if your dad's in jail and your mom's strung out and you're 10 years Somebody old. Somebody got to bring some milk into the house. Exactly. So, the wire. Yeah. Watch the wire. Thank you, United States government. So... Um, one ounce of crack, if you're caught with one ounce of crack, you get more time than someone caught with 100 ounces of powder cocaine. But who's Because gonna... powder cocaine was more sophisticated. And who's using that? The, the people, rich people. The people who wrote the laws. So that one, yeah. the one woman in the documentary, I, I loved her. She had really short hair. I liked her earrings. I think she was Michelle. She wrote the new Jim Crow. Okay, she was talking about how a whole generation of leadership was wiped out of the black community because people are taken away from their families for small amounts of marijuana, crack cocaine, 
and they are put in, put away, they're away from their families and their communities. They were talking, I mean, they interviewed somebody that, that woman, wasn't it a woman they interviewed who was doing like a crazy amount of time? Yes. For just like some stupid amount. Yes. Of crack cocaine. Uh, a, a, an incredibly small amount. Then we have Noob Gingrich come on. Oh, mom, it's his... Michelle Alexander. She wrote the oh, new Oh, Michelle Jim Alexander. I really liked her. Mm-hmm. Um, he said that, yes, at that time, the Republicans were violating fairness. It may have seemed like a good idea at the time. Um, but it was a war on communities of color. Then we had Lee Atwater. Lee Atwater, Lee Atwater was the one that said your thing about the um, the omission of the hippies and the heroin and criminalizing that. Okay. Uh, blacks got hurt worse than whites. Uh, the news at night would just show the war on drugs all the time, again with the advertising. And it was always black faces. Black it was always men, black faces. And young black the men show handcuffed. Cops came on. And mm-hmm. we were always arresting black people. So again, your impression is black is bad. Black is bad. Black people are bad. Um, well, I hope that's not taken out of context. Well, that was the impression that, that the drop. news was that, getting. That sound clip goes <laughs> that viral. Sound clip. Yeah. Liz Bush, okay. black Probably. is bad. That's right. Black <laughs> is bad. Crack <laughs> is whack. Um, so black people were overrepresented as, as criminals. They were called super predators. Well, yeah. I mean, that did not help. Old super Hillary. predators. Um, then we had the Central Park Five. And we got to see a young... <sighs> what is your... What, what, are, what is your... Fuck boy. Donald Trump. Oh, yeah. Can we just call him the the orange fuckboy? Orange fuckboy. He still wants the death penalty for the Central Park Five, even after DNA evidence proved they were innocent. You took... um, They they served six to 11 years in an adult prison, Mm -hmm. and they were under 18 at the time. If you have not watched When When They See see Us... us. Ava DuVernay... Mm -hmm. Oh, I still, we, I, it's so, we haven't been able to finish it because, uh, yeah, it's like, you got to be in the right. You do. And sometimes you got to turn it off and I walk know. away, especially if you are a person of color. I mean, how can you? I don't. I, I, that's how I, I just, I plunged, I commit like 16, 19. I'm like, I'm, I'm going, I'm, I'm going to listen to this all. I, wow. Well, you know, your brother cannot do that. Yes. <laughs> He's got to get, I mean, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't like that. You know, well, you know, he doesn't, it's, he doesn't like upsetting things. Well, it's also a visceral part of his DNA. Like trauma gets passed down. So it's in a way that I cannot explain it. It, it just hits on a cellular level of just. Well, and that's why we haven't been able to finish that one. Yeah. Just like this is all hitting you as a cellular level because you're married to him now. I mean, I don't know that I would be this into all this if I had married one of those white fucks in college and 
had my little suburban life, which was probably going to be full of verbal abuse and psychological abuse. But we won't go into Ooh, that you now. You would definitely be on the opioids, but like the bad strung out kind. Uh, well, I might be on a lot well, of Well, you'd be able to get them. Yeah, I would be. <laughs> and I wouldn't be arrested for it. I'd just go to a new doctor. You'd probably okay, still be this... in Ohio. Yeah. Maybe I would have met Dave Chappelle. Okay. Um, <laughs> they deliberately overeducated the public that young black men were criminals. Well, wasn't that also when they're super predator... That's like going into 92, right? Yeah. Like are we in Clinton yet or are we still just talking about Reagan? We're almost to Clinton. Because I remember that. So this is the time when we're in Germany. So this is Rodney mm -hmm. King. This is when NWA was getting big. And this is when mm -hmm. Tipper Gore and Ice-T and NWA were having this battle over explicit language. And people, remember how mad people got at Ice-T over Cop Killer? Like, I yeah. remember that was a major big thing. And people got so mad at Ice-T over that song. And I bet if we listen to it now, we'll find it quaint. Exactly. Exactly. And and he's made... Or it'll be like, we'll listen to it and be like, and? I mean, yeah, exactly. my guy nailed it. And he's been playing a black cop for how many decades? Okay. Uh, we had Willie Horton who was, uh, who, okay, this is Dukakis. Dukakis ran against... Bush, H.W. Okay, the first Bush. Um, I remember this. I oddly know a lot about this election because this is when we were in Germany and we had yeah. one channel. So I watched every episode of McLaughlin Group, not yes. because I wanted to, but because, because it was what was on. It was what was on when I was getting my hair done. So I know so much of these ins and outs of the political landscape during this election. Do you want to talk about Willie Horton? Uh, no. Okay, Willie Horton. Dukakis had, what, what was he the governor of? What state was he the governor of? I want to say Massachusetts. It was somewhere up there. And he wanted weekend passes for... Uh, prisoners so that they had like some kind of normalcy massachusetts and um so he had weekend passes well one of one of the people he gave a weekend pass to was willie horton who ended up stabbing a man repeatedly raping his girlfriend and it brought back the uh, birth of a nation thing well i'm assuming and that these victims were caucasian his victims were yes. Caucasian, and um, he wasn't tough enough on crime. So to appeal to voters, uh, Daddy Bush was um, going to be tough on crime, and he won that election, even though Dukakis was ahead for a long time. Well, and then he got in, he had that horrible photo op of him in the tank. He had the, the he had his little head. And he just looked really nerdy in the tank. And that that didn't... Go I remember he got made fun of a lot on military installations. I remember and you and my dad just holding... Like, when they came on, just both going... <sighs> oh, my God. Here we go. And also, he was, he was pretty liberal with um, prison reform. And someone asked him in a debate, 
if his wife were raped, would he want the person who raped her to face the death penalty? And he said no. And so he wasn't tough enough on crime. But it's, it's always weird with that and then the intersection, though, of like where religion is allowed in politics and where it's not allowed exactly. in politics. So then we have Clinton running against Daddy Bush. And he knew, he was savvy enough to know he couldn't run being soft on crime. Because all since since Nixon, the people who won were hard on crime. And crime was a big thing because see the United States government pumping inner cities full of crack. Right. So people need and people pe- high on crack. Need highly, crack I mean, crack is crime. highly addictive. So that's why, you know, there was crack and it led to crime and all of this. But now with opioids and who is affecting, it's a like medical thing. So Clinton ran on more police on the street. Now, this is 1990. Remember, in 1985, we had 700 59,000 people incarcerated. It's 1995 years later, we have 1,179,000 some people incarcerated. One million. Oh, it gets worse. So then uh, California decides about this three strikes thing. Yep. Three strikes and you're put away for life. You have three felonies, you're put away Gone. for life. That sounds that sounds fine. Except, except for the people who are deciding what is a felony and what isn't. Yeah. Who is guilty of a felony and who isn't. I mean like three murders that you're proven to commit. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. That's yeah. Um but, yeah. yeah, the, there's a very wide broad um list of things that could be considered a felony. Exactly. So then, uh, something about truth in sentencing. Yeah, so that has to do with the. um, Is that when they had to serve 85%? Yeah, because you know, like you'll you'll be reading, if you're on true crime or anything, and you'll read, like, oh, they got um, convicted of rape and they were sentenced to 20 years to life yes. and then yes. they ended up serving eight years and they're eligible for, for parole and so it's that kind of thing where people are like wait what and you only hear about it with like the worst of the worst but yes. of course because they, then they they put it in so then if you it took out judges hearing circumstances of because it's not exactly. you know we're incarcerating all of these people are we teaching them anything? Are we preparing them to re-enter the, you know, the life outside of prison? Yep. As the guy says, when you get out of prison, you know, everybody's seen it. Have you ever committed a felony on every job application? Yeah. That's right. the thing that when they see us is really good about demonstrating is like right. when they get out of prison, there's not a lot of options. And you got to pay bills. There's certain things that you have to do to remain an upstanding member of society. And you can want and hope and wish, but that doesn't feed your belly. It doesn't feed your kid's belly. You know, it doesn't put food on the table. 
So about this time, we have A-L-E-C, ALEC. ALEC is, stands for... Stands for, this is how I'm going to fuck you now. Um, it stands for... The American Legislative Exec- Exchange Council. Is this... Okay, so this is pretty much a... Um, wait, I have it written down. Lobbyist organization. That uh, at this point, are, are prisons being... Um, Move to private yeah. privatization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Privatize. So that's okay. So in 1994, there was a three billion dollar crime bill. This is with President Clinton. A massive expansion of the prison system. We were going to put 100,000 officers on the street. Um, Clinton built the militarization of the police. Mm-hmm. Because we had to be tough on crime. He now admits that was a mistake. Easy to do now for you because it didn't affect you. And that's where you get if you listen to, you know, like pretty much all rap. But, you know, NWA, your Ice Cubes, your Snoop Dogs. um, I'm blinking like Wu-Tang but I know like specifically like the west coast out here we're talking about like tanks rolling down the street talking about you know right the the raids and stuff they're just busting into your house no knock raids right all that kind of stuff yeah which like Breonna Taylor come into the wrong house shoot her and oops yeah it's the oops button okay we have J. Edgar Hoover. This is back with the Black Panthers. And he said that the Black Panthers were the greatest threat to the United States. Uh, that's when Fred Hampton was killed by the police in bed. Um, we had Ashata Shakur. Shakur. Mm-hmm. Um, she was a... Like civil rights activist? Civil rights activist. And she said that they were destroying black progressives. She had to be taken to Cuba. She was put in jail and she, even white people were going, she doesn't need to be in jail, but she had to be taken to Cuba. I think she still lives in Cuba. Yeah, she still lives in Cuba. She is considered a dangerous criminal. We had Angela Davis. Well, they they, they label like the Black Panthers as like, oh, there's something, they're scared. The greatest threat to the United States. Yeah. They were a very small organization. And they you made think- breakfast for kids in Oakland. They exactly. fed They fed poor kids and gave them breakfast before they went to school in exactly. Oakland. Exactly. Exactly. And they had the audacity of saying that their life mattered. (laughs) Right. And they looked so scary. They looked because they had guns and they had those berets and they were black men and they looked so scary. Angela Davis is on is in this documentary. She was considered one of the 10 most dangerous criminals. And the FBI had all this stuff on her. And she came in and devastated the prosecution. Which, where's that courtroom movie? I want to see that. I want to see that. Why hasn't that been made? Exactly. I only knew, what I knew of Angela Davis was, oh. 
my my apologies. Excuse us. Oh my god. Oh my gosh. That that was from our producer. Wow. I know. And she was saying how a whole generation of leadership was stripped out of the black community because they were considered uh, the most dangerous in the United States. Uh, Ashata Shakur had to go to Cuba. Angela Davis was uh, one of the 10 most dangerous criminals. Okay, so then we get to the present date. We go to Trayvon Martin uh, because of Stand Your Ground. Um, his killer gets to be free. I mean, I mm-hmm. thought Stand Your Ground was on your own property. No, it was no, I feel threatened by no, this I young dude too. with Skittles. But it doesn't and... apply for him. He doesn't get to he didn't get to stand his ground. This guy coming up on him. Right, right, right. And he beats his ass because he was standing his own ground. Just like Brianna Taylor, her boyfriend, there's commotion. He fires off. Nobody announced anything. He Somebody fires comes off a shot. Your house. What are you expecting? Yeah, fires into uh, like okay, I'm gonna fire a shot and gets lit up. Okay, we have Alec again, American Legislative Exchange Council, which sounds um, uh, I mean, oh, but, but it's a wait. bunch of lo- lobbyists of politicians and corporations mm-hmm. that uh, are making laws for the Republicans. But to go back to Angela Davis. She grew up in Birmingham, which at the time was known as Bombingham because the KKK was setting off so many bombs. There were something like 80 bombs that went off. She said she went to sleep literally rocking in her bed at night Mm -hmm. from the bombs around her. Cynthia Wesley and Carol Robertson were two friends of Angela Davis's. I think Carol Robertson lived two houses down. Right. Her neighbor. Was her neighbor. Those two, along with Denise McNair, who was 11, and Addie McCollins, the other three were 14, are the four little girls who were killed on September 15th, 1963, when their church was bombed. In a church. The four little girls. Spike Lee documentary. Um, Also on that day, though, Virgil Ware... A black teenager killed by Klan sympathizers, and Johnny Robertson was killed by the police who had a working relationship with the KKK. So they also died in Birmingham on that same day. Okay, the job of Alec was it was a corporation, it benefits the corporations, and so on the correctional end, it paid, they needed to keep prisons filled so now we have cca uh privatized prisons people are getting rich off the punishments they have i've seen things like that like did you see that documentary about who who's that poor little boy in palmdale lancaster or palmdale the one that was beaten to death by his parents like he just kept going through so much abuse and the system just completely failed yeah. him. Yes. I think that it's either that or something else. But just how just how broken the system is. How these certain things that we don't realize are privatized or privatized. Whereas making like a telephone call to your family. Yeah. 
is is so overly inflated so so inflated like they're just they are just literally making like just wringing the last pennies off of bodies uh the phone calls Mm -hmm. the food service Mm -hmm. the healthcare service Mm -hmm. every one of those is so inflated now that prisons are privatized because the whole reason is keep prisons filled so that I keep getting my money. And I thought that it was just license plates that prisoners are making. No. I know. When, no. Where did that lie come around that we all learned that? I yeah. don't know. I saw a, oh, I mean, this is from Instagram, but the person that posted it, um, I mean, the film goes into all of, like, a couple, of, like, I had no Victoria's Secret. Yes. Um, but... I saw something today that this girl, she does say, like, the companies that she lists were found listed in at least three different publications that she could find. Um, but it talks about like, products sold by companies using prison labor. And the amount of medications on here is outstanding. Like, yes. Zoloft, Xanax, Emergency, Robitussin, Advil. Visine, Motrin, like it just goes on and on. Or just yeah. make their prisoners are making pharmaceuticals. Yeah. Well, I I don't know if that I don't know that they're making the pharmaceuticals, but it just said products sold by companies using prison labor. So in some, it could be packaging. Yeah. It's like just what used to be just factory jobs yes. to make you middle class and able yes. to buy a nice yep. little house. Yes, your little is, bungalow. Yeah, yeah. It, like this is what has happened to the to the middle class. Exactly. Is that they haven't shipped the, the jobs off to India. I mean, the jobs that they couldn't ship off to countries where there's, you, you know, because, yeah, because it all goes back to money and slavery. Because you can't, you're, their companies are always like, what is the cheapest labor we can find? The cheapest labor you can find is not paying for labor. It's free labor. It's slavery. Watch Orange is the New Black. It shows privatized prisons right there. Um, okay. So. And you, and so when the prisoners get out, do they get to put this work experience to get another job? Are they able to? to felon what did you do yeah well i'm, I'm a felon as see, but as soon as you see felon when i was there i really helped in making tampons yeah <laughs> i was actually a supervisor tampons is my specialty mm-hmm. exactly. the that 360 device 360 degree leak proof i implemented it <laughs> that's right so then we had SB 1070, which was the right to stop anyone who looked like a criminal. That's that stop and frisk in New York. Stop mm-hmm. and frisk. And then we have CCA has started to detain immigrants. Oh. And the immigration oh. centers are prisons. We still have children in cages, people. We we still, still have kids that, in I cages. I know COVID is bad. And yes, I care about the dogs that are in you know horrible circumstances, but we have children in cages too. Still. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, again, we are now, you know, because it's ever evolving, 
people aren't stupid. They're looking at how they're getting their, their money. At the end, we're looking at, okay, we're trading drugs. Okay, drugs is over. Now it's immigration and the immigration um, How system. can we make money off of bodies? Yeah. Well? Okay. Uh, so they are reinventing themselves. So now the um, Alec is saying, okay, yes, we have too many people in prisons. We're building too many prisons. Got it. So now we're going to go to GPS for people. Yeah. We're going to put ankle bracelets on people, and they are stuck in their homes so that they are incarcerated in their communities. Yeah, but it's not people, though. I, I mean, I'm sorry. It is people, but it's specifically black people and people yes. of color. Yes. We're not talking about like, white people, people. Mostly black people, uh, Latinos as well. Mm -hmm. Latinas. I, I think it's Latinx it. now, maybe. Latinx, yeah. So uh, mass in incarceration equals money with food, phone calls, health. Prison labor equals free labor. Profiting for punishment. But I don't hear anything about mental health services. Uh -uh. I don't hear uh -uh. anything about, you know, because that is one of the things that, that police have to deal with that maybe they probably shouldn't. And they mentioned it in this. 13th mentioned it when Reagan gutted mental health facilities. Yes. Because yes. most of the calls that cops get called to has to deal with somebody who is is mentally conflicted is i don't know what the correct and term I, is i want to add to that just it, well, this wasn't in the documentary but there are now so many adults who are autistic who are not going to be able to follow a, a police officer's orders because they're autistic so that's a mental health thing that also okay anyway yeah, how would you, like, do you have to wear a vest that says, I'm, like, one of those street worker orange and white vests that says, I'm autistic, so right, a cop right. can Don't see it Don't expect me know. to follow your orders. Okay, so um, thousands of people are too poor to get out because they are not going to say, yes, I did it, so that I have a, a lesser sentence. I'm not going to admit to something I didn't do. Okay, sit here in prison for years because you don't have the money to pay for adequate. Yeah, you can have a um, a lawyer appointed by the state, but you still gotta post ten thousand dollars bail. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So you're uh, there was Khalif Browder, I believe was his name. Browder. Okay. And he said, if I say I did it, I could get out, but I want to take it to trial. He was never charged with anything. And this, your Sixth Amendment right is the right to a speedy, speedy trial. trial. But yeah. you as the defendant have to invoke that right. And how many so people you have to know have the education to do that? To education funds have been taken to put more police on the streets. But it's more nefarious than that because in New York, they have what's called the ready rule. And the ready rule, and I could be butchering my law here. I didn't go to law school. Again, I went to an Ivy League adjacent institution studying film and video production is my disclaimer. 
The ready Which is why we took on with the bushes. But it was time to stand up, people. The ready rule basically says that the prosecution, um, it, it's kind of uh, a caveat to the speedy trial because the prosecution needs time for them to get their case ready because they're the ones that need to prove. So, but it's interesting because if you look at New York, the ready rule and when the prosecutors are ready... Manhattan has the shortest amount of time when you have like Brooklyn and the Bronx, just, you know, 592 days, you know? And if you can't afford bail or who knows what your counsel is, you're going to have, you're going to spend that time in prison. And that's why I don't have people to help you with your mental health. Exactly. But you do learn how to take care of yourself. And that means getting violent with others who are trying to be violent against you. And then that can be added to your time. This guy, three years, he wasn't even sentenced. He spent three years in prison. He got out because they just went up. Uh, well, we they spent, no, here. because he, because the whole thing is the whole system right now is geared toward making pleas, making plea deals. So 97% nothing goes, never no, go yeah, to trial. So nothing goes to trial. It's so much so that when I was on jury duty and they were doing the voir for, you know, putting the people on the jury, like we all were pretty, everyone pretty much raised their hand when they asked the question, do you think that by us going to trial, that that means that there's a, there's some sort of issue with the prosecution's case. Like that was one of the questions wow. because everybody knows at this point, not everybody, but it's just yeah. well known that most trials, like most things don't even make it to trial. It's a, it's a plea deal. So it's like, why is this going to trial? I wonder what, wonder what other information there is, or mm-hmm. it's the person basically saying like, I want a trial. Well, this young man attempted suicide many times in his three years. Um, He was set free. Two years later, he hanged himself at 22 years old, Mm -hmm. saying he never did what he was accused of, but wasn't even charged with, but spent three years in prison. Like with in one of the most, I'm sure all prisons are horrendous, but... I think yeah, others, he was at Rikers, Rikers Island, right? Yeah. Rikers. Some prisons have more of a reputation than others. Your right. San Quintins, your what's the one down in Louisiana, Angola. Mm-hmm. You know, there are certain prisons that we are like, ooh. Okay, the criminal justice system eats people of color for brunch, breakfast, mm. lunch, and dinner. But they do have a nice brunch as well. <laughs> I don't think they do. Uh, criminal conviction. Uh, if you are convicted, you lose your right to vote if you're convicted of a felony. So you can't even help the people coming up behind you to vote for someone who. But there's, think- but there's a lot of because I've heard recently a lot of rappers saying not a lot but like a few like specifically Snoop Dogg and I forget who else who said. That they, this is going to be their first election because they didn't know that they could vote. They assumed because of their record that they just couldn't vote. And there's, wow. yeah, the, 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 like voter suppression. Oh yes. my God. Georgia, right now, what Georgia just went through. Mm-hmm. Come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, interesting that it happened around Atlanta. Hmm. Yeah, my friend was waiting in those lines. 
Wow. She sat in line for three hours for early voting. President Obama was the first president to ever visit a prison. Um, Did his performance go over as well as Johnny Cash's? Yeah, he didn't perform. <laughs> so now we're back to 19... Uh, uh, we aren't. We're to 2016, where we had the orange doofus who wanted to go back to the good old days. He is channeling Nixon as the law and order candidate. Okay. Um, it uh, The... The um, the documentary is winding down with once you're convicted, it's equal to being a slave because of the criminality cause in the 13th Amendment. It, it's slavery, then it's convicted leasing, then it's Jim Crow, then it's mass incarceration. Um, I have a quote for that one. Okay, good. Where they said so many aspects of the old Jim Crow are suddenly legal again once you've been branded a felon. So it seems that in America we haven't so much ended racial caste but simply redesigned it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Your girl Michelle said that. Michelle yes. Oh, wasn't she good? She, she was. was. So, everybody was good in it. it no yeah. gangrich I could have done without. But, but it's good that they um, have him in, like, you know, balanced and... Even his two cents of like, man, this is what this guy is admitting to and saying. So you know that there's so much other dirty exactly. shit. Exactly. <laughs> He's willing to say that on camera. Like, wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we end with Black Lives Matter and uh, where we are right now. And well, yeah, it, this could have been filmed in 2020. It. Yeah. Sadly. Yes. Except I wanted to bring up, um, these are four, because the thing about Breonna Taylor, I was mad about all of the things, but I was also super mad that I didn't hear, that it took me a month to hear about it. Exactly. And so black women who, black women also get killed by the police and we don't really hear about it as much so i just i have four names of cases that you can look up and look into um ayana stanley jones she was a seven-year-old who was shot in the head in her house yes by detroit swat members and um the guy never like he was arrested went through a whole bunch of trials he he didn't get there was nothing that was in 2010 Tanisha Anderson in Cleveland, um, she was killed. She had a history of mental problems, and her family called the police for help, and she died of, quote, sudden sudden death associated with physical restraint in a prone mm-hmm. position, so she couldn't breathe. Um, 10 days later in Cleveland, Tamar Rice was shot and killed by the Cleveland police. I think a lot more people are aware of that case. He was the little boy that had the BB gun in the park. He got shot and killed. A. Tatiana Jefferson, October 2019, Fort Worth, Texas. She was shot and killed in her home. 
Um, neighbors just called the non-emergency line saying that, because it was early in the morning or late at night, however you want to say it, like early a.m., and just a neighbor was just like, yeah, it's not an emergency. I just, if you could just send somebody by the door to the front door to their place is open and it's not usually open. So I, 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 you know, it just seems odd. So police officers went and she was inside with, I think her nephew and they were playing video games and she heard commotion outside of the window. So she went and took her gun out of her purse and just had it next to her and police officer just shot through the window and oh killed her then didn't even come in and it was for a welfare check and can you imagine the neighbor who was just like i know oh my god yeah. oh wow that one's on me yeah i i called it's not on you it's not on you uh charlena lyles she was a 30 year old mother of four and also pregnant june 2017 she called the police to report a burglary and she was shot and killed like minutes after she came in i think the police said that she had a knife um so just uh i mean the, the hits just keep on coming but these are i mean these are things that they don't and i was looking on it in june i think there's already been 10 police related deaths in june another it's happened it's in atlanta incredible to me that it's like how is this still happening during, like, the... Because, like, right. you know, like... It's the fear. I don't know. I didn't... I, I just heard this from somebody on TV. So take it with the grain of salt. You'll have to do your own research or whatever. Um, but there was something about sheriffs, I think, in maybe L.A. County, again, allegedly, disclaimer, whatever, that when they're new, one of the first positions that they that they get assigned is the county jail and how people are like, well, maybe we shouldn't be reassigning. Like that shouldn't be the first thing that they go to because right. what's your visual. Exactly. As we say, who's in jail, we have a lot of just black and brown people and they're criminals and it's that kind of setting. And mm -hmm. that's what all you see. And then it's like, all right, now go out and protect and serve. And you're, you've just done a whole tour in jails where you're just like, all right, well, you're a criminal. You're a cr like, you know, so. I'm sorry. What, what are we doing? Uh, gang signs here? What? We were. Um, yes. Okay. Well, okay. I don't know how we're going to do like our usual thing. Are we going to go through? Does, do somebody have reheatables or quotables? Mm, no. Or I mean, the whole I thing is a quotable, yeah, but okay. I got a I got a quote, the quote that ended the piece. I just thought it was fantastic. Excellent. Okay. Um. Well, I mean, we kind of already. I mean, there. We, I don't need to go through. I there was a there's a lot of good quotables in it. I would just say the whole thing is quotables. Yeah. It's less quotables and more facts. Right. You know. And. And the um, the documentary itself is shorter than we have been on the uh, the on um, the airstreams right now. So. It's just it just very much just lays it out in like this is what it, it has happened. And if you haven't been paying attention or you've been privileged and you haven't had to see it like this, like this is what is going on. This exactly. is like this is what we have been saying. And I mean, when I saw it, I don't 
tweet anymore. But one of my only tweets, I tweeted at Ava DuVernay. I was just like, just thank you. Right. Fangirl right. moment. She liked Thank my you. tweet. She liked it. Oh my god. She liked oh it. Oh my god. Did she? Oh my god. I took. Oh, I took a. I took a. Uh, what's it called of it? A screenshot. A screenshot. I, guess so. I was like, <laughs> yes. And um when they see us, and thank you for the work you're just continuing to do. I mean, she's the first black woman to ever helm a motion picture that's made over a hundred million dollars. A wrinkle in time. So she's just she's just right. doing that about that life. She is she is taking care of business and and yeah, you owe it to um you owe it to the United States. You owe it to you America. Your, if you are well, if you are a person who you are you don't understand why people take a knee when they uh, the flag, then you owe it to America because the people who are taking a knee, they understand patriotism. Like that's one of the things of 1600 or 1619 that was, that I it just resonated so deeply with me is that the, and the woman she she had never understood why her dad always had an American flag and it's like no because we built this land this is ours exactly, exactly. like Michelle Obama said my ancestors built this house I'm living in back when. She was living in the way. Slaves you build. owe it to yourself. You owe it to the United States. You owe it to the people who came before you. You owe it to the coming election to watch this documentary. It's your American duty. It is. Okay, we don't, of course, have re- recasting or... We recast it all with white people. We my... My least valuable player we do have is, a for is the film Birth of a Nation. But other than that, um, wow, it, it was, it, yeah. Do you don't have it? I have Tasty Nuggets. Go for it. Um, it was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Feature Documentary. Listen to this cast, that, I mean, this uh, other nominees. Life Animated. Fire at Sea. I Am Not Your Negro, which is a fantastic documentary that is also on Amazon Prime, and it's about James Baldwin. And then the eventual winner in this category, OJ, Made in America. Okay, but... Okay. I know. I, I was, would have preferred this to win. Yeah. But OJ I mean, Made in America. Really yeah, it's, it's really good. It was really good, but yeah. I mean, it's not really a movie because it's like ten hours, so yeah, I could kind of see that. But and this got away with it. Oh, this did, wow. this did win the primetime Emmy Award for outstanding documentary or nonfiction special, and it was produced yeah. and filmed in secrecy, and it was only revealed its existence when it was announced as the opening film of the 2016 New York Film Festival, and it was the first documentary to ever open the film festival. Wow. Outstanding. Mm-hmm. She's doing great work. She is. I think she should hire a little brown girl named Darren Bush to help her. Well, and then I have um, Nerd Alert Tasty Nugget. Please. So, contrary to what history has taught us, like, 
1619 happened and the slaves came over, it wasn't just whole home. I guess we're just slaves. Like there were revolts and uprisings. And so I would like to just briefly highlight one that you may look into yourself. The New York City Slave Revolt of 1712. I got this information from the Smithsonian Magazine article by Danny Lewis. On April 6, 1712, a group of about 23 slaves took up arms and revolted against their captors. Keep in mind that in New York City, City Hall and Wall Street were all built by slaves. And they were allowed to, it wasn't like on the plantations and stuff. They were allowed to intermingle and stuff. And they saw how other people are living. And they're like, excuse Uh me? I don't like this. And they could also, you know, like talk to other slaves and stuff. So they were like, hey, man, (laughs) why don't we do something about this wildness? And so they and the city also had a city run slave market so that it could collect taxes on every person bought and sold there. Money, 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 building up the city. Twenty three slaves up like did the uprising nine white slaveholders were killed and six were wounded they fled north somehow it was 23 slaves but yet 27 people were captured um and then because you know that didn't go over well no they sent everyone after them and then after that of course there was the city enacted strict laws of you know social distancing of the slaves like no group no yeah. no groups of slaves can be together they're not allowed to own fire yeah. or have firearms they didn't, they didn't just take this lying down yeah they can't they, no you can't have a gun anymore um slave masters could beat their slave for no reason as long as they didn't kill or maim them yeah. and then well, in maim hello they yeah. maimed him all the time but this was in new york this is in the north in new york and then in 1799, New York outlawed slavery, but New York still made a killing off of that money from that sugar and that molasses and all them, the cotton and all the, the slave stuff. So. Make me some 100% cotton. Yeah. Or 97% cotton, 3% spandex is my fave. <laughs> oh, you've allowed the 3% to encroach and sully your cotton i see i have i have well wow i mean it's heavy but you go through this whole black lives matter thing and then in another officer kills another black man how well that was what is incredible to me in the movie because it was filmed in 2016 i can't remember who it was that was saying it but he was like you know, we're just waiting for the next thing to happen because there will be something else and there will be another movement after, you know, like, and, and it's like, oh, well, here we are. Mm-hmm. And then our true leader, I believe, uh, Mr. Obama, is is just encouraged by the the number of young people who are being active. And, and like that, is, that it's not stopping. Like, there's right. literally every day in New York, there's... I've seen people posting on Instagram, like, here's a list of all the protests you can attend in each borough, like, for all different kinds of things. And I decided to go down a rabbit hole and I wanted to look up, like, the um, the Tulsa massacre. So how many massacres have there been? 
I sent Aaron, what, four pages of screenshots? Oh, yeah, I'm putting them into, like, that. that's why I did it. Because, little do you know, listeners, yes, every week I will be including, going down the list of that that you gave me, and I will be saying what it is. I haven't, I've put it into a spreadsheet, and I'm still compiling it. And many of them are called race riots, as if the black people started it. No. And so um, it it's in fucking credible. Mm, well, in- that's the that was the very first one on the list. Ma. I was the New York City slave revolt. I'm just gonna just go down the list. There Check we go. Off. There we go. We are here to inform. My favorite quote of this. It was the last quote of the film. And because I'm going with up wishes, you all know that my big gripe is always the argument. Well, that's how it was in the times. It, that's how it was. Those were the times. And you know how much I find that grating and irritating and infuriating. And I thought that I didn't write down who it was, but he said it and he was the last guy that spoke on it. And I apologize. But people who always say that, they like now we are living in those times and we are tolerating it. And that's in those times they were living in those times and they tolerated it. Right. So how can we cast dispersions or just be like, oh, well, it was them. That's how they were doing it. No, people knew that Woodrow Wilson was a fuck boy and they tolerated it. And so now maybe hopefully people aren't going to tolerate it. But when you're going through these rabbit holes of history and stuff, it just feels a lot like that Charlie Brown and whoever had the the football just keeps taking the football away. So I am optimistic, but I am also enough to be like, are you Charlie or are you Lucy? Yeah. Have we, have we finally had enough or is it, is it just going to, Oh, Oh, Oh wait, I have to give up some control and some power. And like, you know what the other side of this is? The other side of my coaster is the Washington football team. Fuck them. They need to change the name. I'm fucking it's sick of this It's time to change shit. the name. And, I'm and out. no one is a bigger fan of that Washington football franchise than Aaron Brooks. I'm out. But you gotta change I'm out. And the that's, name. A, that's part of the hardness is that there's gonna be things yeah. that you're like, ah, man, but you, you, gotta put your, you gotta put your foot down and be like, no, I can't, I, I, yeah. no, man, that's racist bullshit. I can't, I can't be a party to it. I love the but logo. The monuments come down. The logo, I came to that team because the logo was a brown person who looked like me and my family. <laughs> I couldn't read. It's been established on this podcast. I didn't know how to read, so I didn't know it was racist. It just sounded like Kleenex to me, a, a generic term. But then I'm like, oh, right. no, that shit's racist. And so I'm out. Right. I'm out. Right. You're going to make right. a biopic about Doug Williams. I don't know how I feel about that now. I don't know. Well, let's watch it and see. Let's 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 watch it and see. But I'm out. Like Now's the time to, to, to change your name. You put a whole black thing. You say Black Lives Matter. But it's, what about your name? Yeah, what's so hard about just changing the damn name? I don't know. Right. right. I you can even keep the logo. Who would have thought we are where we are with NASCAR? I know. Like, who would have thought that NASCAR would be the place that people are? And, like, I remember going to, you know, I grew up going to NASCAR races. And I remember being young and, like, they had a group of black kids 
there. And the, I had a child thinking, oh my God, they gave all of these black kids who are already the only black people here neon yellow shirts that say diversity day to wear oh my god and i was like this is wild <laughs> but then obviously like you know and then come five years ago it's like our group going to nascar races is like two black men a mexican man and like right. women right. and so i don't know it was just cool to see they also like tweeted about how they're supporting like Pride Month and LGBTQ plus yes. and the well, did you I see said. the Twitter response from NASCAR when that guy I mean they like outlawed the Confederate flag at races and this some NASCAR driver was like I can't race for NASCAR anymore if they're gonna like take away that flag and NASCAR retweeted or tweeted back at them and said We've we had to Google you to find out who you were. We've never even heard of you. Well done. Well done. Wait, NASCAR did buy Felicia. Yeah. I was a little worried when Adam was going to NASCAR. I can't lie. I was a little worried. It's why I never had been to a race. It was like okay. I am so proud of them. But it's also I mean, it's also that thing of like um like yeah like good job for doing it but like you you knew like you know but you knew oh, yeah, uh-huh. but you, you did but i also do believe you have to i mean some people you either give people an option to change mm-hmm. and they do and or you don't and then you cancel you know there's like exactly if we don't exactly. give anybody the opportunity to change and like that's like a big step for them and, i feel like and i and like it's not like they don't have black fans watching nascar money like, it comes down to money people that love nascar you know like if anything money is gonna be the thing that gets companies to embrace things that they didn't want to because it's because how many times since 2016 how many commercials have you all of a sudden seen where it's like we value everyone here oh my we, god like no, how many biracial recent, couples have you seen four months yeah just so yeah. many i could have made a killing Black as a commercial matter. little kid urban, Out- urban outfitters cares about everybody <laughs> we care about all lives Ooh. of course they do <laughs> let's all drink on that one so okay can. so next week who Aaron? is it on you or teeny Mm-mm. it's teeny okay <laughs> you know that i didn't do any of my homework until today and that's um, we love well that's so because I, here's the thing i'm gonna be honest with you guys I was really excited. Adam and I have been talking about watching. Adam watched this the thirteenth of last year. We've been talking about watching it, watching it, watching it. So then, as soon as we got off the podcast last week, I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna do my homework early. Let's watch this." And he was like, "Oh, well, you don't want to do it too early." We're like, "You forget about it." He is like his mother's son. You shouldn't do it while we're eating dinner. Like, what if you need to take notes? (laughs) So then, what do we do? We wait until Thursday to start it. And then Saturday, like last night, I it was your birthday. birthday. We right. uh-huh. Happy birthday. And so then Adam went to work today. So it did not feel like Sunday. So I'm driving around and I literally had parked the car when you could, and it was 3.30 when you were like 4 or 4.30. And I'm like, I still have an hour left of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I told you all I was in one of the bushes. Um, 
do my homework early, and Adam told me not to. Yeah, that's what he'll we'll do. But so I did know that I want I wanted to make a movie with like a black director. Mm-hmm. But I I don't know what's good, and but you don't have I, to know what's good. We don't pick good movies. We pick movies well, that we want to see or have heard about, or the or universe we, just okay. tells us movies that pop up at the moment. Yeah. Okay, well, I have two, and I'll let you decide. Okay. Oh. I never saw Moonlight. Oh. And then this other one, Crooklyn. <gasps> oh. Oh, I've seen both You know what? I don't think I've seen Crooklyn Crooklyn either. looks like it has some really good soundtrack. Crooklyn too. has, like, I own the soundtrack. It has an amazing soundtrack. It also has, I've decided since watching The Five Bloods last night and The Good Fight that Delroy Lindo is my Robert De Niro. Oh, I do love him. And Although, he's that in one Crooklyn. Movie, was... I'm going to okay. choose Crooklyn then. Crooklyn. All right. Well, I've seen it and it's... get your tissues. Oh, get okay. your t- well, wow, of course, any of them are going to cause from, tissues. That's not kind of saying much coming from you, though. I know. Truth. True. True that. True that. I didn't check to see if it's available anywhere, so. Oh, that's true, too. Or the year. Oh, Amazon Prime, iTunes, Google Play, Perfect. YouTube. This is great, because I was just saying how I was going to go into a Delroy Lindo uh, wormhole. I do like him. It's it was from 1994. 94. Wait, 90. then how did... How... You had to... Who went with me to see it? I didn't go to see Crooklyn by myself. Well, maybe I did see it, but I do not remember. I would think I could... It's but, a Spike okay. Lee joint. Do you think we went down to um, Route 1? To see Crooklyn? I don't yeah. know. Because I know because I was obsessed with Motown and this soundtrack has oh it I mean I still listen to it to, to this, this day likely? yeah mm-hmm. okay okay Excellent. let me tell you, tell you what when I was cruising around in the Cadillac today all we can do is listen to the radio because we it's I don't know why it's like too much trouble for us to buy the adapter to plug into the dongle for our phones to play and there's no AC in the car right now so which ironic that he made me get rid of the Mazda for not having any AC, and here we are in summertime. Oh, and um, but, you know, anyway, I was cruising down all around the city with the windows down and the jazz station on, and it was delightful. <laughs> oh, that's my girl. Oh, that the jazz is my going. Girl. Just did you have that's your sunglasses on? Now. Yeah, I did. I, I would have worn my fur if I could, but I was. What about the, yeah. since the since the windows were down? Did you have a scarf situation going for the hair? Or did you have a a leopard skin mask? Oh man, I need one of those. <gasps> I think that might be in your future because this other thing I ordered in March still isn't here. Obviously coming from China. So okay. yeah, I know. Sorry, I just took us totally off schedule. What a great podcast. <laughs> excellent. 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 Okay. I, I, I learned a lot. I did. I hate to say that I did, but I did. I, I as well. It's just, yeah, I, I highly recommend Birth of a Movement. It's sad to know how much you didn't know, you know? And how yes. much you were gaslit. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. How much? Yeah, and then I can't buy Tampax tampons anymore. Wait, wait. Damn. What? <laughs> Damn. They are prison labor. Yeah, oh, they because are? of Alec. And DirecTV and kept them on there, too. Charmin? But just one flavor of the toilet paper. One flavor yeah. of toilet paper? Or it's kind. I got to send you a Band-Aid brand, Chapstick. Well, yeah, but if Chapstick? it's the only toilet paper you get, you have to get it. Like, I have um, a year's supply of Charmin downstairs, so... Well, if it's ultra soft, you gotta throw it away. Is that the one with the is, ridges? I'm not throwing it away. Aunt Jemima, Snack Pack, Chef Boyardee. Aunt Jemima is not a surprise. Yeah. Um, Bounty paper towels, Tide, <gasps> oh. and Gain. Tampons. <gasps> Gain, Aaron. Oh my God. Adam, oh my God. Are you gain too? Adam always says, I'm a gain man. Because Tide irritates my skin. Oh, I think you've made him believe it irritates his skin too. It does. Old Spice, Black, Venus, Crest, Oral B, Pepsi, Aquafina, Gatorade. Wait, Pepsi. Oh, Steve, now it's now Pepsi. It's only Pepsi, Mountain Dew, and Dr. Pepper. So I think it's like specific. It's got to be like labeling or something like that. But, yeah, because but here's Pepsi the same was with the Pepsi. only one that would allow mm -hmm. would would ship to black communities. Coke was like, no, I'm like, only white. Yeah, during World War II, yeah, Coke was like, no, we only go to white people. And that's Pepsi, why we're Pepsi. But Aquafina. Oh, that's that's. That's, that's Poppy's face. It is. That's his water. Fiji, Fiji is not on the list. Is Fiji Avion? No. No, because it's oh, yeah, French. You're, you're Avion. That's right. No, it's just Aquafina. <gasps> Poppy is. I'm not going to tell him. Starbucks, borrowed old frappuccinos, Pam Spray. Wait, I don't understand how. Are they making the syrups and stuff that get shipped out? I think they're making labeling or something like that. Oh. It doesn't say. It just says products sold by companies using prison labor. Oh man! Oh, All okay. right. So Tampax. Because there's yeah. that, and then there's the ones that support Trump that I'm definitely anti. Oh my gosh! It's just we really just gotta shop small, guys. I, yeah. You're right. Seventh generation. We're all gonna smell like. Northern Europeans. Oh, yeah, is, wait, is Arm and Hammer on that list? Yeah. That's... No, just no. Only okay, uh, good. truth be told, the odorant's good. I have. I don't remember the last time I put on antiperspirant. Wow, it's just well, me. you're working from home. I know, and I do like. I this whole time I've been smelling something. I think it's me. It's you. <laughs> it's yourself and your clothes, Snow Leopard laundry. No, my clothes have never been cleaner. My goodness gracious. The scent, the scent Wait, do you lasts. have a washboard? Do you have the old washboard? I don't have a washboard, but I have the activator that I put in the in the tub with the thing. And so I stand there. And that's what I was listening to when I was listening to 1619 as I was doing my laundry and stuff. I'll bet you have the cleanest clothes. My clothes are pretty clean. Without the um, additives. I use gain. But I do use gain. And I put some um white vinegar in it. I do too, but then well you can. Um I heard that white vinegar can mess up the rubber in a washing machine. So I've been cutting <laughs> back on my vinegar. I don't have such privilege. 
Well, I am white. <laughs> so you, there you go, using your white washing Privilege. machine. No. Yeah, I have to read more into how these, like, because I don't understand, like, the medicines and stuff. The post that I saw, though, was like, please, I, I cannot say this enough. Please do not stop taking your medicine just because it's on this list. Like, they're yeah, <laughs> okay. Because I'm not stopping my happy pill. No, no. They were just saying, if you really want, if you really care, make sure you go to your doctor and get another right. alternative. Because yeah. none of you want me to stop my happy pill. Yeah, yeah, we know that. Nobody said that. Okay. Okay, listeners, we hope you enjoyed this uh, episode of the 13th. We strong, we just fucking tell you, fucking watch it. Watch it. it. Listen to the podcast 1619. That's my next, as well as Birth of a Movement. Indeed. Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. I hate that we have to say it. Like I'm, I know. I, I think it's great. I I do think it's it's a great like yeah. But it, I hate that because it's like yeah, duh. I, it's just every time I hear it, I'm just so annoyed and enraged that it's 2020, it's 2020. and I have to say it. Right. Yesterday we celebrated Loving Day. 1967 which is not that long ago no we got married eight years later that's just ridiculous and coming up on friday is juneteenth so happy juneteenth Juneteenth. everyone did you see nike's making a paid holiday from now on and twitter is wait are they are you are, are everybody gonna take away columbus day finally and make it like indigenous people's day or something or get Juneteenth, like the emancipation of the country isn't like we celebrate July 4th. Yes, uh, except for the clause in the 13th Amendment. Well, that then caused slavery to continue. Yes, but the I mean, we're talking to about this like day. to this right. day, we're talking about amendments and the whole like Declaration of Independence. I mean, read the preamble when in the course of human events you might you might find yourself like oh this applies now human events when in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to abolish the ties that held them to another people i mean that hey i didn't write it by all means necessary just saying and we are out there you go Bye. bye